Hello and welcome to the third in the series of Collectively Speaking, a new podcast series where we talk about the big issues in the built environment. My name is Max Farrell, I'm the founder and chief exec of the LDN Collective and this series is conversations with different members of the LDN Collective. The LDN Collective is a group of specialists who are driven by environmental and social values. We collaborate together in a bottom-up way and I think the fascinating thing about this group is that all the different uh, voices and the different perspectives and the fact that when we come together, that's when the magic happens. So I'm really pleased to be giving a platform to our members to talk about the topics that are important to them and for you to get to know them a bit better. Today, we are talking to Ed Watson. Ed is an old uh, friend and a founding member of the LDN Collective. I got to know him when he was working in local authority planning and cultural development teams, including at London Borough of Camden and Westminster City Council, when he worked on some really significant and groundbreaking projects like King's Cross. And Ed is one of those people that has made the transition very successfully from public to private sector, working for a while at Arup as a specialist consultant and advisor on public-private partnerships, and more recently as the um, chief executive of the Birmingham Local Enterprise Partnership. Ed has also been involved in a number of our projects and thought leadership initiatives, and he's a non-exec director of Boone Brown, one of the architects within the LDN Collective. So Ed, brilliant to be here with you today. What would be interesting to talk to you about is, and, and I've always felt this right from the working with you through the collective, but even beforehand, is you have this unique perspective of somebody that works in uh, the public sector, local authorities, Camden and Westminster in particular, uh, and then left and worked in the private sector. And I know you worked for organisations like Arab but also um, in your own right as a, um, a somebody with a portfolio of doing different interesting things. So can you tell us a bit about your journey and, and, and uh, what you've done up until now and uh, also what, what, what the plans are for the future? Yeah, thanks, Max. As I said, it's great to be here and great to have an opportunity to be part of this uh, LDN Collective podcast series. Um, yeah, my, my background is as a planner. I studied town planning at Polytechnic back in the day and then I started a nearly 30-year career in local government uh, at Hammersmith and Fulham and over the following kind of 20 odd years I worked my way up through um, local government until I was at corporate director level and as you say particularly at Camden and Westminster I probably had my most kind of fruitful times in terms of uh, trying to make change and I guess the one thing I took as I went on that journey through local government was that in order to deliver the sort of change that I thought was important, like place-based approach, thinking about outcomes rather than process, um, you had to get to a certain level of seniority in order to have that influence and provide leadership to teams and work in effective partnership with politicians to get stuff done. So um, I you know, worked um, pretty hard to get into those kind of positions of seniority where I could have that influence and um, had a you know really really 
a good time working at Camden in particular for nine years uh, from 2009 when we had to think about the future of King's Cross, get involved in that, get involved in our own housing delivery program uh, and uh, our own capital program and then uh, think about how opportunities like the Francis Crick Institute might change the face of that area. So it's been a really, really interesting journey. Good. I think one, one thing I've noticed has changed, although probably not changed enough, but certainly a, a direction of travel, is that there used to be uh, this very sort of um, uh, almost a, a, a adversarial relationship between the private sector and the public sector, and it was a sort of poacher versus gamekeeper type relationship. With some of the projects and initiatives you talked about in Camden and King's Cross and so on, have very much come out through partnership work. Mm. And as we all know, partnerships, when people are very different or have different mindsets and different drivers, aren't easy. What would be your sort of advice to either private sector developer that's looking to have a better partnership working with the public sector or the reverse, the public sector that's looking to bring in the right type of private sector partners and work with them in a more constructive and, and, and um, collegiate way? I think you've kind of alluded to the answer, which is to think about things from the other person's perspective. So one of the mistakes I think that private sector quite often makes is to think of its schemes and its developments, however, you know, brilliantly um, architects and planners have thought them through, they think of them from their own kind of profit perspective at times and not necessarily thinking about them from either a language or an outcomes perspective that the public sector uh, might want. And similarly, I think it's easy for the public sector to feel that private sector is just in it for the money, you know, and um, actually in order for there to be an effective partnership, everyone needs to say, well, what do we both get out of this? Yeah. And that's sometimes accepting um, that you need to think differently about how you talk about your proposal, how does it impact and benefit communities, either in terms of homes or jobs or sustainability or uh, permeability, public realm, whatever. Um, and how does your um, uh, local authority think about, well, if I work in partnership with these people, I can really deliver benefits to my communities. It is the hardest part, that having that empathy, isn't it? And uh, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah, definitely. And I think in some places, if you start early enough with a blank enough sheet of paper and you have fairly kind of honest and frank conversations about what everyone's trying to achieve and how you might go on the journey together, and you've got a much better uh, chance of having both a kind of a successful partnership but also most importantly successful outcomes at the end of the process the idea of you know people squirreling away some secret plans and then suddenly landing them on the local authority's desk to say oh we're submitting this you know the day before christmas and you know we'll want our decision in next week's time hopefully those days are gone now although what's what has been more of a trend in recent times is that planning departments have become even more strained in terms of their resources and the time they can commit to this partnership working in collaborations what's the solution to that in the long medium to long term other than better funding for planning departments um yeah i think the, in the medium to long term there's something about the numbers of planners in the system um you know and there has been a there was a trend for planning to be described as you know not very interesting job very processy and people weren't kind of encouraged to be part of it yeah. but when you start to talk about the profession from the perspective of outcomes of place making of partnership of changing people's lives and it becomes a more powerful and more interesting uh, profession 
and um, hopefully more attractive, therefore, for planning schools to attract uh, graduates. My sense is that picture's improving, um, but in terms of how you then get those graduates into local authorities and get them to stay, yes, it would be great if people had unlimited funding uh, in local authorities, but the mechanism most councils are using these days is planning performance agreements where um, developers who know they need a certain amount of resource for a long amount of time are willing to um, fund some additional resource into the local authority in order to help move the process forward. So there are ways and means to make sure that these things do go well, ultimately. Yeah, I think so. There's still not enough resource overall. And it's worth saying the planning system has become, to me, unrecognisably complex over the last 25 to 30 years. You know, when I think, uh, when I see what the planning officers are required to do on some of these big uh, and complicated regeneration schemes compared to what I was doing when I was a young planner, you know, they just don't compare. I might, you know, take my hat off to both public and private sector planners for their ability to navigate through this kind of ever increasingly complex world. Uh, and then obviously you've got members of planning committees at the, uh, the kind of the sharp end of that having to make a decision on this very, very complex array of information. But I suppose if, if you're all about outcomes, then then if, if the process is complex for a reason and and uh, ultimately the, the proof is in the pudding that, that these things do come out as uh, having quality outcomes... Yeah, I, 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 I like to think so. If you've got the right resource and the right mindset, then you will get to hopefully um, good outcomes from the process. I just think sometimes people get to, can get lost in the process and not see the wood for the trees. I'd like to ask you a bit about a couple of other initiatives or, or companies that, that you're involved in, one of which uh, you introduced me to, Boone Brown, uh, an architectural practice. And I'm very grateful for you for doing that because they've been a great asset to the LDN collective, bringing something a bit different uh, and uh, and also being very inherently collaborative. And I think maybe that comes out of them having done uh, either either their own conceptual designs or delivered concept designs by other practices. Um, so they, it's almost uh, like part of their business model is to have to collaborate. Um, so can you tell me a bit about that and what got you into that and what you see for them moving forward? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I suppose the first thing to say is as part of my own consultancy, I do a kind of range of things. And one of the things I do is act as a non-exec director for Boom Brown. Um, they're a great practice. They have uh, a home base in Yeovil in the West Country, but they have a small studio in London. And acting as a non-exec director for them, particularly with a focus on supporting the London team, um, I'm able to help them uh, meet interesting uh, and productive and thoughtful people in the London um, development community, such as the LDN Collective, uh, but also provide a bit of um, leadership and management expertise into the organisation uh, in order to help them move on. And as you say, one of the things that I think they are good at, but we're trying to get better at, is partnership working and seeing how we, through our activities, both our day-to-day -day architectural activities and through our relationships with our communities can be good partners both in and through a contractual relationship but also in the place in which we operate and they have um, architecture planning and landscape so mm -hmm. one of the things they bring to their own kind of business as it were is thinking about how as a business they operate effectively in partnership with landscape-led design and a place-based approach to how they think about particularly mixed-use developments. So it's great. And I think the other thing I would say is, as we 
you probably heard earlier today, you know, there are um, many architect top architecture practices in London and it's, you know, a bit of a battle both for clients and for staff. And so they've got a young and diverse workforce and it's great to help um, grow those individuals as part of a team and part of a philosophy which is about um, yeah, effective partnership working and delivering good outcomes. So, Ed, I think it's almost uh, becoming a theme from this conversation to me uh, that your strength really lies in partnerships and um, understanding how to make them work and also the benefits. So if you were to say, you know, what are the three things that are essential for good partnership working, do you think you could give us that magic formula? Yeah, I don't know whether I can get to three, but certainly I think there's something about um, shared ambitions uh, and a kind of an, an agreed objective that everyone's working to. There's a kind of leave your egos at the door, we're all in this together yeah. type piece. And I guess thirdly, there's something about being able to therefore give and receive effective feedback as part of that partnership. So, you know, everyone feels like they are uh, an equal partner in the conversation and everyone's contribution is equally valid. Um, and the thing that I've I've noticed particularly about the LDN Collective since I've been working with you over the last few years is that a lot of the projects that you do are uh, very much on the kind of innovation and trying to solve sticky problems side of things and that in order to do that partnership working is a really you know, key and essential part of it and one of the projects that I know that uh, you and I have just been involved in at a kind of inception stage at the moment is the Homes for Homelessness uh, piece of work, which is about saying, you know, how can we solve, um, or at least partly solve, one of the complexities of the issue around how uh, people who um, are without a home at the moment could access a relatively cheap and affordable home uh, across London, making use of some funding that um, the government has put out there by bringing together the kind of construction side of things, you might want to say people are particularly using modern methods of construction alongside the planning and architecture and place profession and think about how we can then go and talk to registered providers, um, social housing uh, providers and councils to say, well, we have a proposition here that could help you with this particular problem. How can we go forward together? Excellent. Thanks, Ed. And that, that for me is such an important project because it's, um, it's often the hardest problems that don't end up getting tackled hmm. because they are so hard and uh, but equally they have the biggest potential impacts and I think um, people underestimate the the you know how, how much so that value there can be created by giving these people away back into society and the current sort of cost of, of people being on the streets and, and whether that's for the NHS or policing or mental health you know, if we can uh, find very simple solutions, but all come together to do that and and do it in a way that's not for profit, which I think is the key to this as well. Yeah. We're going to set up a new not for profit vehicle, um, then then that can only be a good thing. But again, it's about bringing together all the different partners um, or, uh, to all move in the right direction together, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I, I I think there's something about the difficult problems have remained unsolved because people have tended to um you know think about things in the same way and so sometimes you need to brush bring fresh thinking mm. to the table in order to unlock things and the ldn collective is is an on of itself a piece of fresh thinking like how can we do development consultancy let's call it in a different way how can we bring people with different skill sets together um in order to help 
um, you know, solve problems and, and, and deliver good outcomes for places. And uh, thinking differently is leading to this sort of solution, yeah. like the Home for Homelessness piece. This stuff. So, Ed, um, just to sort of round things off then, it's been a brilliant discussion. Um, uh, wh- where do you see yourself going uh, in the next few years and, and what, what's next for Ed Watson? Uh, kind of more of the same, I suppose, in, in principle, like continuing to work with interesting people um, on good projects and sometimes innovative projects that you know, don't yet have a proper kind of home, as it were, and, and a little bit of you might call it lost leader in order to um, to help get things off the ground that otherwise might not be successful. Uh, my kind of three specialist subjects, I suppose, in my consultancy are town centres and high streets, um, more recently uh, biomedical campuses and the whole kind of life sciences piece, and then the kind of wider place-shaping agenda. Mm. And so I'll kind of hope to do a bit more of that. I've just started a piece of work up in Cambridge, which combines the biomedical life sciences piece with placemaking approach which is really really interesting yeah. so you know whether i have more um things up in that, that kind of oxford cambridge arc area um and, and life sciences piece i don't know yeah continuing to do interesting things and help clients realize value in a way that perhaps they didn't think was they were able to previously thank you ed and uh that's been a fascinating journey to go on talking about your career and your involvement with the LDN Collective. It's so important to have different perspectives involved in these types of networks and and membership organisations and the public sector voice and how the relationships work between public and private, but also the collaborations between different types of consultants is absolutely key in my opinion. And it's great to have Ed Watson there as somebody who has a lot of experience in this particular area.